or act on Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 155th episode oh, of Space God. Spinner 2000. That's right, 155 years <laughs> of Space Spinner 2000. <laughs> it's a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's home galaxy's greatest comic, 2000. One month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2080 for October and November 1986. Progs. 491 to 494. This time, the monsoon comes in Metal Zoic. Swifty gets a job. Johnny Alpha dispenses frontier justice. Judge Dredd deals with giant ladies, body swappers, and phantoms. Oh. And Slain is back to cry. Oh, uh, yeah, some baby. Quests. I love me yeah. some Slain. It's got to yeah, like definitely. go to Glastonbury for reasons. Glastonbury Farms. Yeah. Yeah, well, for quest reasons, you know, there's a big quest chain there. He just got some DLC. He's got to unlock it, you know? <laughs> got to, like, stand on the eye of a ram for a minute. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to read along with this, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread the Complete Case Files 10, Strong Team Dog SDHC Files 3, Complete Ace Trucking Volume 2, Slaying the King, and the Sooner or Later Collection. Man, uh, before we start, I just, I've always wanted to say this. Uh, in a format where it will just be recorded for forever. I've always wanted to be a 50-foot-tall woman. Hey, who doesn't? You know? I mean, like, the cool shenanigans that you get to get up to. I'm just I so gotta say, this. yeah, as a longtime Mystery Science Theater 3000 viewer, I've seen movies about colossal dudes and about colossal chicks. And Colossal Chick is the superior is the superior one, man. I feel like that's gotta be the case. I've never seen a giant man movie. It's weird. Like somehow, like a, a a late like we're blowing this conversation for later, but somehow <laughs> uh, a lady fashioning garments out of stuff that she's found lying around is way cooler than some dude wearing like a diaper made out of the American flag or something. Oh like that. my god! <laughs> you know, I, I, mean, I feel like that's a strong agree. I mean, that's kind of the patriarchy in action for the record, but it is sort of. True. I mean, look. Uh... There's a reason that no one's made a lot of these movies with giant men, I feel like. And it's, it's uh, there's coolness factor needs to be calculated into it. And I don't think that that's uh, I don't think that's wrong. You know, that's right. Yeah. And speaking of strong, independent women, it's through one strontium dog. Oh, man. Do you know what's even better than being on a rampage? It's fucking frontier justice. Frontier justice. Yes. Script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner is Alan Grant. Art robot Carlos Scare, letting robot Gordon Robson is Kid Robson. As we're in this middle of this story, Fox, the incident on Mager Minor, as Johnny Alpha defends the farm of Ma and Scroggy Froggit from no good goons. Man, One of them, Chinky, is going for his gun. Oof. Uh, Froggit is, uh, you know. Well, uh, sorry. Uh, luckily, Johnny's way faster than this country goon and uh, goes for his own gun. And it's cool because he shoots it while it's still yeah. in the holster. He shoots through the holster. That's the one to yeah. say. It's so awesome. <laughs> he's got. He's going to have to go to a leather worker after this. That's rough. I know, right? But he shoots Chinky right in the hand, disarming him. And the goon's right off. Ma Froggit thanks Johnny for his help. But he says, forget it. Like, yeah, I'm just doing whatever. Uh <laughs> Oh, but at least he gets to have supper time with them and get some backstory relayed. Yeah, it's your standard sort of Western plot, I'd say. Like, yeah. I feel like this is a lot of, like, like Shane is like this. I feel like there's a lot of other ones where there's, there's rich Cy Goober who's been buying <laughs> out and swindling local mutant families to expand his land. And now it's just the Froggettes left. Which, Go. I mean, do you really need that much? The answer yes. is yes. Oh, wait, listen, like when you're like some kind of space cattle baron, you always need more land, full stop, no matter what. It's true. It's so true. Yeah. So uh, Johnny goes to sleep in the barn and we see those goobers plotting against the farm and that Kinky gets his name because he likes to like has a couple coins that he kind of like slams together in his hand like he, he chinks them together, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm there with you. It's just, you know, they could have called him Clinky, you know. Yeah, listen, this any, explanation... Any amount of onomatopoeias. Plus, like, this doesn't change the fact that, like, the, the, the next time on thing from last episode was still Chinky Takeaway, which is ridiculous. Oh, like, yeah, that's right. Not acceptable. Um, so, Damn. <laughs> that night, the goons sneak into the farm and set fire to the barn Johnny's sleeping in, uh, waking both Johnny and Scroggy's pet Mork. And Scroggy himself, I guess. I mean, it's on fire, so that Mork's going to wake up. I yeah. <laughs> 
The frog had farms on fire, and Johnny desperately tries to put it out, realizes he can't, and then tries to escape. Scroggy goes to save his mork, and Johnny's able to save both Scroggy and scat the mork out of the barn at the same time. He like slams Scroggy into the into a nearby water trough to put him out because he's on fire, you know? Yeah, because the child ran into a fucking burning barn. You gotta have your priorities, buddy. I guess. <laughs> the froggettes are safe, but their farm is finished because and that barn had all the winter feed for their animals and most of their crops that they were going to sell. Ma asks Johnny to make the goobers pay. Like, you're a strontium dog, aren't you? Can't you do something? He's just like, I'm tired. I got to rest. But He's that tired. morning, the frog gets awake to find Johnny gone, to find Johnny and Scroggy's mork gone. Oh, my God. He's totally abandoned us, right? Like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. What a clear yeah, thing. Did uh, Johnny Alpha steal Scroggy's mork and leave the family to uh, twist in the wind? Nah, dog. Johnny's, <laughs> Johnny's rolling into Goober Ranch aboard that one. And he calls out Jinky Goober. And dude, and, and I love this part. Because the dad's just like, god damn it. And just like backhands the kid. And he's yeah. just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's a strong team dog. They got a badge right on him. What are you, stupid? Well, my name's Chinky. Like, fair enough. Okay. Okay. Um, Still getting that backhand. Yeah. Sai goes out to meet him. Johnny blows up an outhouse to show he means business. And then demands. Which, now where yeah, are you going to poop, right? I mean, there's still a hole there, I guess, you know. Just I mean, once you clear all the rubble off and now the yeah. stink's going to get out. Mm-mm. You know, it's a long lasting, uh, you know, you got to punish these guys a little bit. <laughs> Find um, a new place he, to poop. Yeah. He demands the goobers rebuild the froggets farm and reimburse them for their lost crops. They soon arrive and Johnny oversees the construction gun in hand, which is pretty cool. Just As, sitting there watching them the whole yeah. time. As word continues, Scroggy gets Ma to admit that Johnny isn't actually that bad a guy. Aww. Yeah. The barn is rebuilt and Ma Froggett <sighs> has started calling Johnny Alpha John because Ooh. they're getting all friendly. Johnny demands well, one people. of them is. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Sorry, she's getting friendly. Johnny is sort of being stoic here. He's still, you know, he's still hurting from the loss of uh, Wolf and stuff. I'd imagine. Mm. He demands that the goobers replace everything burnt in the fire and kinks and kicks Chinky in the gut until he agrees to deliver the message. Oh yeah, he shoves it right in his mouth and then shoves him off. Yeah, it's good. He's getting pretty hot about Johnny Alpha, but no one really thinks he can take care of the Strontium dog because you know he's just like he's the whiny like 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 little guy in this Western yeah, movie. Exactly. He's the he's the kid with everything to prove, but standing on his dad's shoulders. Well, yeah, or just more like the guy that sort of doesn't feel like he has to prove anything because yeah. his dad's real rich and he feels like he was and he was born on third base and 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 thinks he hit a triple. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Baseball references. Oh, God damn. Sorry. That's my, that's my, like, uh, whatever. So, you know so you're good, I love mouth. it. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the stuff's restocked, but the goobers do make fun of Ma Froggett behind her back. And Johnny tells Sai that he's done some good, that, that he's done a good deed here, or he's sort of made up for his previous past deeds. Johnny's going to leave in the morning, but he'll be back. And if the Froggets have been bothered in any way, he's going to kill Sai. <laughs> that's not great, because I'm rich, and I don't yeah. want to be dead. <laughs> no. Uh, Sai seems chastened, but Johnny's skeptical. The next day, Johnny goes to head out. Ma asks him to stay, if you know what I mean. He's got to go. And to the, like, the last picture is just heard crying. Goodbye, John. Johnny rides off as Ma Froggett cries to herself. Next time, dissecting Froggett. That really does not sound like a like everything is fine after he leaves. <laughs> No, well, listen, like these uh, Western types, for what I've seen in movies, no matter how, how how threatened they are initially, the minute you leave them alone, they start being evil again. You know, yeah. It's real, no, it's like, fucking goobers, man. Am I right? Seriously. Goobs. I, yeah. like, I, I like this whole, you know, at least the feeling I get. Johnny's keeping a lot of things at arm's length, man. He's not letting people yeah. in anymore. I mean, I feel like Johnny's always been pretty stoic, but, you know, he... But not like lets, this. Not yeah, short let, and mean. Yeah, because he'd let his emotions out around Wolf or, like, make some wisecracks or something like that. Mm. And this very much, he seems very hardened and stuff. Um, I really like this, just having this straight-up, like, Western story. 
after the big um, epic of rage and stuff. I think this is a really good, just kind of like, yes, we're getting back to business as normal. Like, yeah, exactly. Know, Johnny, Johnny's changed, but we're still basically doing like, you know, it, going back to our core competencies here. I, well, I he's really also, it, they didn't really mention that he's like on, on a hunt for anybody. You know, he's just kind of roaming yeah. around. Yeah. I, you know, it's pop. I kind of assumed that he was, but at this mm. point, because he's been, sort of got lost in the wilderness and it's been a couple of days, like he's probably assuming that the target got away or something. But he definitely doesn't seem like in a rush at this point, you know. Yeah. But speaking of things that are in a rush, box, oh god, it's just like snap and you miss it. It's thrill to metal zoic. God, you confusing mess of a yeah. beautiful monster beast. Blow your minds, man. Uh, script robot Pat Mills, art robot Kev O'Neill, letting robot John Costanza. Nearing the end of Metal Zoic here, as giant wheeled beasts, which are uh, huge robot mammoths, are burying themselves in massive craters as they're being attacked by the Makaka, these violent robo apes guys. Sweet. The action here is just insane, like com- almost completely wordless. Just these robots tossing themselves at each other and getting mostly beat, actually. Like yeah. You see a, a muck, the god robot of the wildebeest, beasts grab Armageddon, our ostensible hero, and like grab him with his trunk and then chew him up into just a tiny metal ball and leave which, him behind. Which I th- you'd think it's just like that's the end of it, but no. Like in the actual most awesome thing I've seen when he's drawn on Inti's powers, he just like reconstructs himself from the ball. Yeah, he uh, we see like the ball just sit there, and then suddenly like like a giant like jacked up arm comes <laughs> flying out of it. Like oh, I'm reborn. Um, a muck goes into the crate. Um, a muck's down in, in in the crater, and Armageddon jumps down after him. He uh, reaches right into the god beast's brain, which triggers a massive info dump to download into him. And in one of the most beautiful but horrific two pages that I've seen, the info dump visual, awesome. The info dump technical, I'm like, huh? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so listen. So this whole story is called Metal Zoic Fox. And mm-hmm. I guess that means because it's a it's a era um, of existence, sort of like the uh, the geological eras of the past, like like the Pliocene or whatever, the Jurassic mm-hmm. era, all that stuff. Or I guess like there's like eras and epochs and a whole bunch of like, like big things and smaller things within them and stuff like that. So the most recent one were the Metalzoic, then before that the Robocene, the Nec- the Necromic, and the Humanic um, eras. And we basically kind of get a backward story of how um, humans made these robots, the Earth's poles reversed, and then um, wiped out pretty much all life except for these robots, which had autonomous um, artificial intelligence systems and the ability to replicate and change themselves. And over the last couple hundred years, or I don't know, the the last X number of years, these robots have evolved into animal-like beings that are also crazy robots. Yeah. There you go. I mean, I kind of what I already got from reading the comic, but you know, yeah. now in case you missed it, here it is. There's also st- more stuff about traffids in here, but I feel like those are really underexplained in the course of the comic. But I'm not I mean, making a deal about it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we saw one and yeah. referenced another kind of. Yeah, it's weird. Yep. Anyway, Armageddon learns that as he, or learns all this. Armageddon learns all this as he destroys Amok and assumes the mantle of the god beast. As he does this, he learns the reason for Amok taking his herds to the craters, which is a monsoon. A giant storm of asteroids or comets heading straight for Earth. It's super on the nose, but at least uh, it's going to make everyone jump into this giant hole. Definitely. Monsoon's coming. Armageddon leads everybody into the crater. Even uh, Jugger Jag, the, uh, the the Shamek, who's busy, like, exalting that, like, his prophecy about the world coming to an end is true. <laughs> Great, like, dude. Get down here. Uh, there's just these massive scenes of destructions, of, of, of destruction and, like, robot animals and traffics alike being destroyed by these huge meteors that are, like, slamming down onto the earth and killing everything and stuff. It's cool. I mean, it's uh, Kev O'Neill doing what he does, you know. Really, yeah, just blowing things, just blowing things up in these big full-page images. It's really amazing. It's gorgeous. Uh, The world has ended, and so a new one begins. It's one of those Mayan calendar kind of things. Uh, 
And the iron from the, all these meteors that have been distributed around the world will be will feed Armageddon's herd as he goes to rebuild it because he is the new god of the wildebeest. Oh my god, I guess uh, let's end with a Pythagoras yeah. quote. He writes, out, he writes out to conquer the world and Jewel the human quotes Pythagoras, just sort of all things are changing and nothing dies. It's sort of a reference to like how, you know, ener- like energy doesn't really go anywhere. It just transfer or it doesn't dissipate. It just transfers from one thing to another, from animal to beast to human back to beast or something like that. We, oh. he, camera sort of zooms out. We see a burial mound for a muck, the smoking craters of the Zinge, and eventually Armageddon looking up at the moon preparing for his road to glory. Oh, man. And I guess the end of Metal Zoic? The end of Metal Zoic. <laughs> that, was, that was short-lived and kind of interesting. Yeah, it was fun. Just a, like a, a, a ten progs, you know, kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the art. Like, it's really like, you oh, know, God, again, of course. It's, it's just Kev O'Neill going, going, you know, doing his thing of just sort of blowing, bl- blowing you away seemingly without much difficulty. <laughs> Which is awesome. Like, he's, yeah, he's great at what he does. I so these are the kind of short-lived stories that I miss because it's kind of like a it didn't overstay its welcome. It was weird. Yeah. No, yeah. I like that. Yeah, to sort of dip in, be weird, dip out. I feel like that's a good <laughs> good thing for these sort of side throws. We're gonna see more stuff like this as the years go by, or Hooray. even just just in in the coming year, even awesome. more of a move towards smaller things. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Pat Mills, of course, he's about to start the next Slain story. Kev O'Neill will return in Prague five twenty. For some crazy nemesis action. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be real good, but real bad for everybody because Torquemada's coming back, you know, as you do. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's a real sight to see. And speaking of people uh, looking where they shouldn't. It's oh, my God. Doing it. Or just speaking of a 50-foot women again, it's oh. Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. Oh, man, it was so good. It was real so good. Real good stuff this, here. This yeah. Month. <laughs> Uh, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant is T.B. Grover. Art robot Barry Kitson, Gary Leach, and John Higgins. Letting robot Tom Frame. So we start out with Barry Kitson on art. At, and uh, Watt LaFung is a peeper. <laughs> but not like your creepy uh, masturbating peeper. Like, uh, I just kind of want to see what's going on over there and, and get this false sense of everybody is in my giant family as I watch their lives without I mean, ever we- telling them or letting them know. I mean, we don't know what he does, um, like, all the time out there. Could be the I mean, kind, he specifically says he isn't yeah. that kind of pervert. It's true. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so from his apartment in the Jaime Goering block, which is, you know, the uh, Herman Goering, the Nazi, I'd assume. Oh, my gosh. He can see 12 floors of the Charlie Sim block, who I understand is a uh, an actor on a uh, Scottish children's TV show. Um, the, the One O'Clock Gang, I think. Uh, he's got a powerful telescope and just, yeah, he just checks people's out, watches their lives and just, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like he sees them as his, as a, as his family slash like an entertainment. He just sort of monitors what they do and stuff. It's his hobby. It's all he does. Yeah. But suddenly one day Elric Mundy attacks his wife Tibia with a hammer and kills her. How could you Elric? You're wicked. Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> Angered by his wicked action, Watt calls in the crime from a public phone, gets an anonymous tip about the murder, and dreads on the case. I wouldn't want to let people know he's been voyeuring people. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't want to, but that doesn't stop people from finding out. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dredd goes to the apartment, and Elric grabs like a rivet gun, tries to bolt Dredd, but instead just gets shot three times in the chest for his trouble. I mean, that's what happens. And then as he's gripping onto the ledge, just like falls to his death. Yeah, he he gets blown all the way out the window of his apartment and then falls to his death. Elric watches all, or sorry, Watt watches all this and is distraught. And Dredd quickly realizes that only a peeper could have witnessed this crime. Mm -hmm. Soon Watt's arrested and like questioned. As a peeper, they, the judges say that he must have dirt on everybody he can see in the buildings. And it's indeed true. They get over 700 arrests. And so <laughs> now, and because he didn't call all of them in, he's now, he's arrested for one count of, like, peeping and 730 counts of, like, withholding information. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in an uncharacteristic uh, dread move, he's like, there's one way out for you. Yeah, it, either get 15 years in jail or start peeping for the city. And 
Fox, you better call Snow because we've got an informer. down. The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> the, the, the 90s, I guess. I don't know. I, I have, um, I'm sorry. That, that came on a little bit more strongly than I would. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's some rapper guy. His name, who, he was a white dude named Snow, as you'd imagine. And he, what? Had, and he was a one-hit wonder with a song called uh, Informer. Okay. Well, we're going to put that. Oh, no. <laughs> it looks so 90s. Yeah, well, I mean, it should, honestly. Like, oh. That's what it's from. So, next up, Gary Leach is on art. His first stuff in the prog since the 220s, actually, if you don't count some incidental art in Tomb of Terror. Belisha Beck. Oh, my is... God. Who is already hot enough with her fish, yeah. her half fishnet uh, dress, half not yeah. fishnet dress. Oh, yeah, she, she's a sexy she's a, a sexy future lady, and she gets a delivery as we see someone writing a letter apologizing to her. It's her birthday, and she's got some candy, she guesses, from her boyfriend, Frank Pearlflake. It's got a big biolab mark on it, which would make me think twice about eating yeah, it. Yeah, like stop I, her. God, <laughs> and she just chews down on a shitload of it. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of boxes of of, of, of stuff in this, or yeah, like individual containers in this stuff, and she just basically houses them all right away, mm-hmm. and then starts to grow. Just rips out of her clothing, rips through the building, and then stands massively nude in the street. As what I can only. <laughs> What I can only imagine was uh, the the favorite part for everyone to draw in this. I mean, yeah, I got to feel like this one got passed around the school year a little bit. But yeah, suddenly there's a 50-foot naked lady in the middle of Mega City 1. She's running amok. She fashions a bikini from a giant American flag. And that's yes, pretty do. Cool, like, Don't you look. <laughs> and we learn that this whole thing was a big mistake because Frank basically sent two packages. One was some concentrated growth hormone he was sending to a professor, and the Ugh. other was a uh, kind of another fishnet dealie for Belisha for her birthday. And but, the professor got the fishnet dealie, <laughs> she got the growth hormone. But he did it as like a goof. Oh, really? Yeah, like I, at least from what I remember reading, it really came off as like, oh, you know, it was goofing, and like I figured you wouldn't eat so much of it, but like, and that <laughs> yeah. sort of sucks. But you know, it was know. all just a goof. Yeah, and uh, I hope you still like me after this. Uh, it's like, oh my god, Can I like really, dude. How is that funny? It's not funny. Dread gets called in. He tries to take down the giant, but she's a hard nut to crack, and she like starts tossing him around and stuff. Eventually, Dread's like, screw this, and just blasts her knees with high X bullets to take her down, and she lands right on top of him. God, just soon other <sighs> judges arrive and pull Dread out from underneath Belisha. Frank sends the cube where he's been writing this letter we've seen the whole time. And it seems Belisha, because she ate so much of the growth hormone so fast, she'll now be stuck as a giant forever. Yeah, like, and also mentioning that, or they mentioned, like, her hypothalamus is all, uh, her thyroid yeah. hypothalamus and her entire uh, endocrinal system are just scrambled to shit. And he's yeah. just like, yeah, just kick her out. Kick her into the yeah. wastes. Dredd says, uh, get her some clothes and get her out of here. Because he he's not big <laughs> enough for the two of them. <laughs> and he's just, I, I love how bandaged he is. Because a giant woman threw him onto the ground and then crushed him with her body. Definitely. Yeah, he's just full full mummy uh, bandages. It's really good. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Oh, my God. <laughs> Next up, Barry Kitchen's on Oh, heart. God. That uh, yeah, okay. I got to let you say some things, then I'm going to say some things. This was okay. fantastic. Well, I want to say first, Fox, something you might not have noticed, but it's a, I think it's kind of a big deal is that if you look on the credit card for this one, the author of Judge Dredd is now what uh, Wagner Grant instead of TB Grover. Huh. So it means that the actual guys that are writing this now have their name listed in the author section, which I think is really great. Um, Weird. That's still that's cool as hell. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes sense because it's not like they're using their real names or I don't know. Like, I just like Wagner having his real name in there. He's been under a pseudonym, like, the whole time. So I think it's really yeah. – yeah. I, I think that's real nice. We'll still see T.B. Grover from time to time in the progs, mostly writing other Dread, materi- dread related material. Mm. I think they still like to use pseudonyms just to make it seem like people – like the same guy isn't writing everything in, in, in the prog. <laughs> right. But anyway – Fox, Roland Jarek is walking down the street when an old lady sees him and thinks he is her son, Donnie. OMG, Donnie, it's you. 
I gotta go. Yeah, big scene. Jarek runs away, and it's the mom calls after him. Soon, she, Miss Moomin, uh, calls calls into the judges, and we learn that her son went on an adventure holiday to the cursed earth and never came back. That was three <gasps> years ago, but now she's seen him alive. That's not possible. Maybe yeah, she's Dredd nuts. Has, could be, but Dread has kind of a hunch, so he goes to investigate. Um, and we cut back to um, the Tristan Kennedy block, who is the basis for the clash. And we, le- we learn the story of Karloff Shula, an old man, 126 to be, pre- pre- to be precise. But he's also a very rich man. <laughs> Made all of his got- money on war profiteering and shit like that and is still alive to this day after all of the horrible shit that he probably instituted. Definitely. He got old. He got sick. And decided and uh, was so sick he needed a full body transplant, but the city wouldn't grant him grant it to him. They said, "Hey, how about a robot body?" He was like, "No dice." Yeah, he's he's uh, robot racial. Yeah, instead, like Jetred himself, instead mm-hmm. he uh, faked his own death and had his robot servants attack that adventure tour that Danny Moomin was on. They knocked <laughs> him out, and uh, his body was 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 otherwise unharmed. And so they took him away and you know popped Schuler's brain right into him. Yes, you do. Yeah, body snatched him. You know, mm-hmm. um, he, he he got a new identity and things were going great until Danny's mom saw him and now dreads at his front door. Yeah, <laughs> punched him right across the face. That's not a smart move. Sheila is quickly arrested and is given life in prison. And since his body is stolen property, he'll be serving the sentence in the brain in a jar wing of ISO Block sixty. And that's what you get, capitalist pigs. Woo! That's right. Down with the establishment. Just because you make a shitload of money doesn't mean that people are your food. Yeah, just get a robot body, jerk. Yeah, I mean, that's the coolest fucking thing, right? Yeah. Isn't Mr. 10% like basically that thing? Yes, that is in fact true. Yeah, maybe, well, you know, maybe he like uh, read some weird stories about Harold Quartz and was like, I don't want to do that. I want to be doing my own thing. Don't want to go through the whole Quartz situation yet. I mean, that's fine. Just the idea of having five telephones strapped to your back seems like, or to your chest, just seems like a pain. You know? I, I always felt like that's just because he's the, it's the broker in him. You know, it's the salesman. He's like, yeah. oh, I always got to have a phone near me. I'm sure he could have gotten the transplant to just have three calls at once. He's a robot now. God, what think couldn't so. you do? It's like, think of all, I, I mean, I know this is like a, a, <laughs> a C-Lab kind of tangent, but, mm-hmm. you know, I would totally put my body or my brain in an Adrian Barbeau bot. Or like a tiger robot. <laughs> oh yeah, like or or a panther, like a common Henry Moon. Right, like a psychic panther. Well, he, I mean, he was psychic. Be- I know, previously. but like I'm not psychic, so the panther will have to be psychic first. Oh, okay. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Man, I don't want to deal with a psychic <laughs> panther. That sounds like a lot. Dude, I'm Paul. Makes hunting a lot easier for stuff. I'd imagine. Uh, uh, finally, for Judge Dredd this month. The Phantom of the Shopper is there inside, inside the your mall. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so great. A busy mall, and in the rafters stalks the Phantom in a cloak <gasps> with a mask and a trilby. It moves through the walls, occasionally harassing citizens and stuff. They're never actually doing anything. And the judges just kind of let it do its thing, honestly. Like, it's not a wow. crime to look weird, basically. They also just don't believe in it. Right, yeah. like, and and anytime someone says stuff, they're just like, "Well, looking at you isn't a crime yet." I love that word "yet." It's not a crime yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, Tread always looks forward to more to more uh, laws, of course. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, soon, but one day the Phantom sees a person of great beauty working at the unisex lingerie counter uh-huh. at Graffy's. You see a man and a woman working together and laughing when the Phantom strikes. And steals the man, not the woman. What a twist. The Phantom grabs this dude, drags him up into the scary rafters above the shopper. It's just like a random, like, spider's web of I-beams up there. (sighs) Which, I guess, is all structurally, like, important to keeping this place together. And then the Phantom reveals themselves. They're a robot. Ooh, a sexy robot, question mark. I mean, just kind of a robot. I don't think like, no. the robot does, doesn't seem to be gendered, as far as I can tell. Just sort of like, stuff. Um, <laughs> but a sexy, now, ungendered thing. Like yeah, a that's robot. totally true. Yeah. Uh, now its great love can be together with it forever. Next time on Judge Dread, love in the rafters. 
Man, these were a set of fantastic dreads. They were so good, one after another. They were just so dumb funny. Yeah. It's some good one-offs. Sorry, did you want to say something extra about the uh, the body snatcher one? Oh no, that was I just that was my whole tangent. Okay, yeah, cool. Okay, just 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 checking. Uh, and speaking of going off on random tangents, Fox. Oh my God! It's non thrills, covers, and nerve center. <sighs> Proud four ninety one justice is in the eye of the beholder. It's big judge, little citizen, and the first of a couple Cliff Robinson stories. Or, or a, uh, yeah, uh, 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 first of a couple Robinson covers. In the Nerve Center, a cool, uh, <laughs> in the Nerve Center, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there, there's a cool picture of the Mighty One, and he welcomes us to the Prague and teases a new Slain story, which is coming soon, as well as the promised Slain the King story coming in Prague Ooh. 500. There's a picture of Dread's Dark Secret this time that his head's a big spring <laughs> with the helmet attached. I love it. A letter asks where Rogue Trooper is because, you know, when we last saw Rogue Trooper at the end of 1985, it ended and said, like, a Rogue Trooper coming in the new year. And, like, it's freaking October, buddy. Like, we're running out of year here. Not going to happen, I feel like. It, it will happen. In fact, Rogue Trooper will be back next episode. Oh, oh. Um, 490 or 492. 492, it's the, oh, end, man. Of, it's it's the awesome. end of an era. Yeah, I love this. It's a double-sized Kev O'Neill Metal Zoa cover. Just get this huge rush of, of a robot animals on the run as terrifying meteors rain from the sky. And it just looks like it's, it's funny because the front cover with like these two big deer deer robots yeah. looks peaceful. But then on the other side, there's just this massive <laughs> chaos of like, you know, like Hieronymus Bosch level like error as these like robot animals like 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 run away from death and stuff. It's really oh, awesome. I, I love the giant screaming bear in the back. Definitely. In the Nerve Center, Tharg's future Pox announces uh, the end of Metal Zoic, uh, the Dread Story Attack of the 50-Foot Women, and Dice Man 5, which is coming out, and I believe is the final Dice Man, R.I.P. Dice Man. Oh. There's a picture of Dread's Lawn Master. Oh. Yeah, yeah, cause... yeah, you get it. Because the bike's the Law Master. Yeah. But it's it's cutting the lawn. Mm-hmm. There's letters complimenting Brian Talbot. And a nomination for a kid's grandma for Kriltro Thargo. Awesome. Yeah, there's also an ad in here just to get your own copy of the uh, complete Metal Zoic cover from the U.S., which I thought was kind of interesting. It's really expensive. It's like five. It's it's like over five pounds. You know, when Jesus. You think of like the annuals is barely as uh, uh, being less than two. It's it, it's pretty nuts. Um, and that and it also takes a month to get to you because I guess they just have <sighs> like a buyer in New York. Or in America, oh, no. buying the American copy and then sending it to England, essentially. <laughs> Got to mark it up, I guess. I mean, you know, like I imagine there's a lot of work done in there. Mid-Prog is a full-page ad for the next Slain storyline, the Spoils of Anun, which is spelled A-N-N-W-N. Anun. Yeah. No, Anun. They say how it's pronounced. <laughs> That's how I'm pronouncing it. Um, and it means the underworld in one of these Celtic languages, I guess. Again, there's an ad, and then there's a big two-page ad for Dice Man 5, and one of the stories is that you are Ronald Reagan, and you got to make decisions, I guess. I imagine there's yeah. a lot of uh, political satire going on in there. Uh. Rock 493, the power and the gory. Slain is back in a Mike Collins cover. And, he, and the really cool thing about, I think it's just the next two, he's in the color pages section. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's really great. In the uh, Nerve Center, Thargageddon from uh, Metal Zoic warns us of the dangers of fireworks as Guy Fawkes Day grows near. There's a picture of Sloane, the Kensington Berserker. <sighs> Which I had to like, I did some, I, I went on a real deep like Google dive on this one, Fox. Okay. <laughs> it seems like, like in like the late 70s and early 80s, there was a thing called like a, like a, a trope that was called like the Sloan Rangers, which are just kind of these like trendy upper middle class types. Okay. They seem like the British equivalent of like a yuppie or something like that. Oh, okay. I I, I understand that. It's just a kind of like, I don't know, like posh rich types, but like English versions of that is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. Someone send help. Tell me what this means. There are letters from a lady sh- uh, who's given a shout out to her boyfriend, and the boyfriend's name is censored until he like pays up to Tharg. Wow. And 
there's some nitpicking about Dredd's uh, verbiage where Dredd says, like, it remains to be seen. It's like, is a Dredd always sure of things? And it's like, geez, guy, we're like trying to tell a story. Come on. Yeah. Um, Mid-prod, we get a full nine biochips uh, telling us how to be safe for fireworks. Uh, be cool about fireworks safety. <laughs> um Okay, now I'm more engaged. I, it's yeah. just, like, who gives... I mean, yeah, just don't light fireworks near your face. Burning cross code. Uh, pro- oh, 94. my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, Prog that was fantastic. Doing my best here. Prog 494, probably the best logo in the world. Uh, Robinson yeah. draws a Carlsberg dread because there was like there was a beer called Carlsberg. That was like the, the best lager in the world. Sort of take on that. Well, no, there is. I mean, Carlsberg is a beer. It's a yeah. fine pilsner from up in Denmark. Indeed. And uh, we get a, a a cool drawing of Dread and a quartet of 2000 AD logos around him in a big circle. It's pretty cool. It being the finest logo doesn't mean that they won't be dropping it in like a year or two for a new one, but whatever. Okay, then. <laughs> in the Nerf Center, the genetic Tharg plugs the best of 2000 AD volume 15. It's a picture of thrill power overload, like someone being overloaded, and letters what? asking if and letters asking if dread is being too harsh. When George Perez, the uh, big uh, the uh, American comic book artist, is coming to do art for 2080, the answer is Prague 2100, and there's a request to have a roll call of favorite thrills in Prague 500. And Thug mentions that that Prague will have a awesome wraparound cover with a ton of classic artists doing their uh, famous characters, which is really Ooh, great. That's awesome. Yeah. Mid-prog, there's an ad for Now Games 3, which I think seems pretty interesting. It's like, uh, like you know, they have those like music anthologies, like uh, Now, That's What I Call Music or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's like 50 of them, and you can kind of like go through them and just kind of be like, oh, like here's all the pop music's music from like summer 1996 or whatever. Yeah. This seems like, like the same thing, but for uh, video games, I guess. Yeah. But honestly, I've never heard any of these video games listed here. So what do I, I mean, care? Yeah, I I don't know what codename Matt Two is, or no. everyone's a Wally. <laughs> Ridiculous. And this is a start of a big ad section for what's coming to 2000 AD and other things here. There's a big two-page ad for Bad Company with all their big with with all the characters and stuff in it. Super stoked for Bad Company. Looks coming, awesome. Bad Company. Exactly. We're gonna be trying real hard not to sing too much. I mean, sing we're gonna sing though. all the time. War Zombies incoming. Um, and Beautiful. then uh, there's an ad for a game for the Sacred Armor of Antrarad, a four-page extremely red ad for Mask Comics. It's which, so okay. I was gonna say, is it Mask Saviors of the Universe? Or no, no. Mask. That's Flash, bro. No, oh, Mask. What am I? Am I thinking of? Well, okay. So yeah, that is Flash, actually, by Queen. But I forget uh, the. Uh, as you continue, I'm for, gonna for mask. I'm, yeah, I, I have to look it up. I'm sorry. No problem. I almost remember Mask just like I don't think I watched it that much when I was a kid, but I do remember that it had a car with gullwing doors that when they were open could then fly. And ever since then, whenever I see a car like on TV, a, a car with doors that that, that oh. up like that, I think of that car. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> Masked Crusaders fighting over or uh, something over time, fighting crime, fighting crime. It's so good. Guys, this is where we tell you that that like Fox and I pre and post show do spend a lot of time talking about eighties cartoon themes. <laughs> it's true. Brave Star. Anyhow, um... oh man, Brave Star. <laughs> God, if they don't, I, I just I want to send them a message to just acquire the rights. <laughs> Two thousand AD would be able to do that so well. Whoa. We learned that Rogue Trooper will be back next Prague, and there's an ad that was also, and, and the ad that they do this with was also used to uh, tease the start of the horse storyline for Rogue Trooper, because that's an Ortiz rogue, not a Dylan one. That's all I'm trying to say. Huh. Also, there's one for Nemesis that'll be returning Prague 500 with a shattering conclusion. There's so much filler in this, in uh, Prague 494. Yeah, like I mean. Literally like 10 pages of, of just ads and forthcoming features in here. It's ridiculous. <sighs> I mean, at least it wasn't two Future Shocks. I don't know. I'd rather have Future Shocks than, than commercials. I oh, guess. than a shitload of commercials? Yeah, I'm there with yeah. you. I'm, well, especially because these Future Shocks were fucking horrible, weirdly enough. Yeah, um, you know, whatever. And speaking of, uh, of uh, useless filler, Fox. <laughs> Real for ace trucking. 
Oh my god. No, that's mean. I'm sorry. I <laughs> just, don't I don't just really Conrad do Conrad and Fox hate Ace Trucking now? OMG. I'm not like that that I'm I'm regretting saying that because it was kind of mean, but like I am well, a little bored of Ace Trucking. <laughs> no, uh, okay. So first and foremost, and I, I I will pull out this badge from time to time, and now I feel like it's a good time. We are reading this whole comic. I think people understand that when you are when you're reading fucking like god 3000 issues of something from start to finish that you're allowed to get a little saucy, a little salty, a little saucy Sam at, at like oh my god it's still Ace Trucking is still going. And that's, that's what fair. it's doing. Guys, listen, it's still going. And yeah, now and I've said more than I'm going to ever say about Ace Trucking for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> so please, Conrad, give everyone uh, the, the rub. And I mean, I'll say also that like this is why Ace Trucking sort of or like people being bored and tired of Ace Trucking is a general thought. I feel like just because I know like like this, is the last Ace Trucking story, basically. Mm. Um, but, you know, I just, you know, whatever. I feel like. I, I feel so defined by, by being positive about things that I feel bad when I'm negative about them. But anyway, um, Ace Trucking Co. Fox, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot uh, Tony Jacob. I think it's, I, I call the Grant Grover uh, script uh, art robots, but the script robots. Anyway, mm-hmm. the boys are on the hunt for treasure in the state of Mubiola. They found themselves in the city of Horrorville, where they find themselves attacked. A lot of finding here. When they're being attacked by the Wolfman. The Garps and Feek fly away, but soon crash into Frankenstein, evoking his curse, which is a star, at sign, star, question mark, three exclamation points. And they destroy their jeep. The monster throws them several blocks away and then attacks them. But when he grabs Feek, he finds the Skeletoid so ugly that he turns to puke instead of beat him up, which is pretty mean just to Feek generally. Like, he's fine. He's a Skeletoid, man. He can't change the way he looks. Suddenly, the ground shakes, and it's a giant lizard foot. It's Godzilla! <sighs> the Garps shoot Godzilla with their blasters, which I don't think they've actually had blasters up until this point. Well, I don't know. Nope. And it's revealed that, indeed, this big Godzilla is a robot. Doesn't seem to stop its path of destruction, though. The boys are in a tight spot. Fearing death, Ace curses the name of Tharg, and the fourth wall breaks once more. Uh. As Tharg reacts to this slander, he orders the, Bell- the Bellardinelli bot, enjoying a nicer plate of spaghetti, to uh, help the Garps. <laughs> And suddenly King Kong shows up. It's a big monster fight. It's Kong versus Scylla as the uh, boys run for cover. Ace One tries to get past them, but instead gets flattened like, like a cartoon pancake. But luckily, King Kong manages to overcome Godzilla, throws him around by his tail, and he lands straight onto Evil Guts, just now entering uh, Horrorville, like after having walked from being poisoned and all that stuff. Guts cuts himself free as the crew's menaced by King Kong. They gotta run. But it's too late, and the three of them are snagged. Oh, no, hee-hee. King Kong's threatening the aces and Feek, but actually it seems to like them. The crew convinces the ape to carry them to the big house on the hill, but it gets confused. And then uh, when they ask him to put them down, instead King Kong goes nuts, starts destroying the house. Boys have to act fast and do the usual thing, which is climbing up the ape's nose to get to its robot brain. But as the giant... Then picks his nose. He pulls out Feek lodged in his fingernail. Oh, man. Next time, pick of the week. The nose-picking fox. Yeah. It's, it's a nose-picking reference. Yeah. Uh, the best part is that a giant ape is picking his nose and Feek is, is the booger. Remember the story used to be about space trucking fox? Yeah. Remember when it had, like, this really explosive ending where, like, I was fucking literally blown away to Ace Garp melting, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's over, and, like, this, that's so nuts. And you're like, oh, it's not over. No. And I was like, bad. oh. Well, that's yeah. got to be interesting. And now we're here, and, uh, <sighs> like, I remember them getting into bar brawls. I remember them, like, running around and tricking people just trying to make that money. I remember when they were like uh, they were trying to uh, beat the that one human to get the yeah. to, to get the mail run like all this stuff so much interesting. This is like what the fuck's going on, man? I I don't like I still remember why they're here. I it's just it's already obvious at the start of it that it, a it's a trap and b it was revealed partway through the story that it's a trap and c it's just that they don't know. 
Yeah. Uh, so it's like, great. Like, all of this is just for the yucks, but it's falling so flat. I'm so tired of this. Uh, it's <laughs> going to be my bottom. It's not going to be a shocker to anybody. Yeah, we're almost almost through the, through, through the wilderness here with, uh, with Ace Trucking. And speaking of stories being written in the stars, Fox. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's Brill <laughs> 5 Slave. I yeah, that was that was clever. You're a clever boy. Yeah, you know, I'm uh I'm I'm just a simple uh transition man, you know. Um <laughs> do what I can. Yeah, script robot Pat Mills, art robots Mike Collins and Mark Farmer, letting robot Steve Potter. So new artists for Slain here. My understanding is that uh Collins is doing the pencils and farmer's doing the inks, which is unusual an unusual setup for two thousand eight. Yeah, having a separate inker, but it's 100% how they do it all the time in American comics. So it's kind of like a... Whole I mean, thing. it looks fucking fantastic. Slain is back. Nest is looking cute. And they're just back to their normal antics of bickering at each other. I love it. Yeah. They're riding on a boat that's got like a uh, undead skeleton piloting it. It's real awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so our buddies, Slain the Barbarian, Ucko the Dwarf, and Nest the Druid are heading out on a cool ship going after the spoils of a noon. Though they don't know what those spoilers are exactly, but they're still pretty stoked about it. <laughs> All Oko knows is that he wants his cut. Give me that. <laughs> and he, he's like trying to barter with the the skeleton man of like, hey, tell yeah. me what it is. Sapphires? Amber? <laughs> Sapphires. Um, so they, Nest will be their guide as they go through the uh, this temple kind of thing. They basically say that like this it's the Temple of the Stars. That's a whole big deal. It's a. It's beyond. The, the temple's apparently beyond Oko's wildest fantasies, and then <laughs> Oko proceeds to tell them what his wildest fantasies are, which have to be blanked out and uh, quite gross. And my favorite part is Slain turning to Nest and saying, "Is that possible?" And she's just like, "How would I know?" <laughs> it's entirely super gross, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, anyway. Yeah. Echo <laughs> continues to be fantastic. Definitely. So we arrive at the temple in a full color page, which is really cool. It's not like an indoor temple. It's actually this giant well uh, landscape of well kept forests and fields and bro. They and druids. Stuff. They're not gonna make no stinky temple. What to trap their gods inside of? They're gonna carve that shit into the earth and uh, possibly make some ecological problems for it. You know. Yeah. It marks out the, uh, the the ten signs of the Celtic Zodiac, and it's all reflected in the sky above Glastonbury, which is real cool. That is actually pretty awesome, and definitely not real. So, oh no! <laughs> I, mean, I, I also love how they decided to to randomly change Gemini into Albion, and they yeah. had to just say like, "Oh, it's the name for Britain," because we're totally look at how Celtic. You know, it's a whole thing. After Dread this probably we get some backstory about this uh, spoils of a noon storyline. There we learn about like the ten symbols of the Celtic zodiac. Basically, Pat Mills kind of lays out his research for all this stuff. Um, yeah, he he talks about the Temple of Stars in Somerset, which seems pretty interesting. I'm a big fan of just the concept of like uh, ancient megastructures. Yeah, um, it's pretty neat. Like there's like the Snake Mound in the in in North America in, in in the Midwest North America that's really awesome, mm. and like the the mounds of like Cahokia and stuff. I'm big. I I did a bunch of stuff about those when I was in college that are real neat. Um, stuff in like the Southwest and stuff. I really like the idea of um. Big structures that you can only see if you're like high on a hill that a bunch of like, yeah. you know, like, like folks that, you know, we think it was as, as incredibly primitive still being able to sort of do these straight lines and make these pictures, even though they couldn't I really mean, see them, you know? Yeah, and that's, that's not primitive. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. And, and I think it's really, and, and I think it's a cool idea that Mills has to basically add this um, reflective sky feature that you can just kind of look up and see the big megastructure that's been built. Instead make, of like having just making the whole stuff. thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. So he talks a lot about sort of the histories and stuff. How Glastonbury plays a big part in a lot of your English myths, like King Arthur and stuff. I did some sort of outside research on it, and it seems like most of this is just kind of you know, kind of mumbo jumbo-y, basically. <laughs> like, yeah. Like there is a location that's supposed to be like the Temple of Stars in Glastonbury, but it's mostly only been confirmed. No, but it's it's. Be- it's been confirmed and called that by like people that you would describe as occultists instead of yeah. people you would describe as like archaeologists. 
So, but hey, I don't know. Don't curse me, um, Dickens <laughs> listening to this show. Like, I'm just trying to relate the truth as I see it, just like you guys do. So, you know, whatever. Boom. Happy to be corrected, as always. <laughs> With your weird druidic cult bullshit. I think it's I think it'd be cool druidic cult stuff, man. Like whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, gonna, curse me. I'm down for a curse. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn down a cool like naked harvest dance. Like I'm ready to go. Uh, I don't. I mean, I've seen. I've seen that movie. What with that guy who gets the bee helmet and then gets stuck in a giant wicker man because the movie's wicker. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, what that like if you aren't a pushy Nicolas Cage type, you can you, you can exist in that world. It seems fine. Wear a bear <laughs> costume and living it up. Uh, anyway, That's fair. The, the quest is underway, Fox. Basically, our adventure team has to head to each of the signs of the zodiac and do a quest, and then they'll get the treasure. Good stuff. You know, standard. Yeah, it seems really things. straightforward. Yeah, let's go shovel some poop. <laughs> well, first they go to Ares, to a, the sign of Ares, the ram, and that's slain sign, so he doesn't have to do anything. And we get a little bit of just your standard Zodiac stuff, because each time they go to a sign, Nest kind of runs No, down she gives him his sign. fucking horoscope. Are you kidding? She gives the horoscope of every sign as they go to them. <laughs> oh, God. it's uh, She's one of those types, you know what I mean? She's literally a druid priestess, Fox. Yes, she's <laughs> one of those kinds. One of those types. Like, I don't know what you're expecting. <laughs> uh, that she writes for a newspaper. I wonder if she I wonder if she did the horoscope for her uh, for her university paper. I mean, I'd imagine she had to do it at least as summer coursework for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so next they're off to the sign of Taurus the Bull, and it's in the form of a man eating Minotaur. Oh my the god. Man. He's yeah. really eating those men. Some quick fighting here, but then uh, Nest calls Slain off because the quest isn't to fight the Minotaur. It's to clean his stable. Clean it I mean, or he be did, killed. He did cut off one of his horns almost immediately, though. That was awesome. That is pretty cool. We got a big cleaning montage as Slain does this labor. And listen, the cool thing about Slain is that he actually shoveled some poop like, like a working man instead of being all weird and tricksy like like actual Hercules and directing a river in there. Running right. a river through a, through, through a stable isn't going to clean it, buddy. It's just going to make everything way wetter and probably make it even harder to deal with, frankly. Well, well, so all of that water and mud is going to stop those that structure from actually holding up after a while and then collapse. He was really doing, cool about it. Doing some real nerd nitpicks about these 3,000-year-old uh, myths. That's my job. I mean, Hercules was a dick. <laughs> This is his father's son, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he, he killed, like, three of his wives, two of his wives. I'm I mean, sure he was possessed by a goddess at the time, but listen. Well, like, yeah, I was about to say, one of them wasn't entirely his fault, but possession doesn't fall under, underneath parts of the law unless you're in Mega City. Then you're right. kind of absolved of most things. But there's probably a law for letting spirits into your body. Yeah, nine-tenths of uh, getting your wife killed. Anyway, um... <laughs> Next time That's on horrible. Slain, we're headed to Albion, which is taking the place of Gemini. And so next time, it's the Titan and the Lion. Ooh, I'm interested. Yeah, we're just slamming through these Zodiac signs. This is kind of a short Slain story. Like, you know, we'll be done with it by 500. It's uh, getting our appetite wedded, I'm guessing, for... Yeah, uh, but I think this is just some good kind of world building and just some more chances to talk about... Um, like what kind of the these people like the Celtic beliefs and stuff. I will say I find this kind of horoscope, like uh, ancient culture mumbo jumbo, to be much more pleasing than the uh, weird like karma, um, L like oh a good L bad L uh, slain stuff we've had previously. Like like <laughs> I I'm, am I'm so a, there with you. Like this stuff, I'm fine with. You know, I'm familiar with it. It makes sense. It allows for heroic actions and stuff like that. I I, I like it a lot more than uh than the other stuff. Yeah, man, it lets us fight some beasts instead of worrying about whether whether or not we're telling Pluke the truth when we give him a hug. Exactly. Yeah. Don't judge uh, my don't judge my Pluke hugs, man. I do it. I do yeah. it really good. Anyway. <laughs> um, Oh man, what are we gonna Done. say here? Uh, 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 show's getting man, pretty man, long, man. and and speaking of getting older, Fox, it's Thrill Six Future Shocks. Oh my God, <laughs> uh, uh, Candy for the and the Catchman. Yeah, Candy and Catchman. Script robot Grant Morrison, art robot John Ridgway, letting robot Tom Frame. It's so, like this was written by M Night Shyamalan, you know. 
uh, you know, very Grant Morrison-y. Um, it's, it's the future or another planet or something. I don't know. Uh, kids are playing late at night when they should get home because the catch man comes and takes little kids. Ooh, he's going to catch you. Stealing something from them for the council of the immortals that rule this world. Is it, their, is it their blood? Is it their hair? Is it their virginity? Takes their shoes. Oh my gosh. It needs like little tiny kid shoes. That's They're right. expensive. Yeah, listen, you don't, and you grow out of them for, for pretty quickly. So an old man shows up, and like, yeah, basically kind of warns him about this stuff, tells a story, but the one man that stood up to the catch man, Billy Candy. Oh, yeah, what a fucking surname. <laughs> the, uh, the catch man seems to be a scary praying mantis dude with an air tank. Man, Candy. I love his fringe jacket and fringe pants. He's so cool. Very Star-Lord here. Listen, bite the praying mantis. They sort of, you know, wrestle around and do points and counterpoints. Eventually, though, uh, Candy wins by pulling an air valve out of the monster's gas tank because it needs chlorine to breathe. It takes off, hel- off its helmet and it reveals a creepy old dude. Yeah, kind of like with a baby face. And why is he breathing chlorine? <laughs> Uh, one of these immortals, I guess. Um, Candy celebrates beating the Catchmen, but the beast with its dying breath stabs Billy in the back with its needle hand and steals Billy Candy's life. Oh, my God. And she's presumably. The kids are skeptical, but head home, worried about the Catchman. And the old man reveals the Catchman doesn't steal your life. It steals your youth. You see, this whole story took place just yesterday, and he's Billy Candy. Oh, and then he walks away into the night with shifty, swifty mists all around him. Don't take candy from strangers. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, um. <laughs> uh, but it's okay to get saved by a cool dude in Fringe. Always. I thought this was a fun one, you know, just like a That's little... That's fine. Like, it was kind of long, but it was still just like, yeah, we're getting in, we're telling a cool story, got a good twist, like, you know, what you want in a future shock. Yeah, it was perfectly acceptable and did not overstay its welcome, unlike many that we've read in the past. Indeed. Much like this one is not bad also for the reasons that I uphold as a good future shock. Yeah. Although next I, story, I, yeah, what the, next, tell me what the fuck is going on at the end of this. <laughs> do my best. So the next story is called Say Ah. Script Robot, five A's. Script Robot, uh, Steve McManus. Art Robot, David, Dave White. Letter Robot, Steve Potter. A rare... Uh, work written by his 2080 editor, Steve McManus, still still Tharg at this point. Some of his first stuff in the prog since Mach Zero back in the day. Oh, um, shit. Some weird talking aliens go to get their picture taken in a photo booth, and the alien comes walking out, and he's got a human body suddenly. Uh, meanwhile, on Earth, the similar thing happens, but instead a dude walks out with a weird monster body, and everybody runs away. They're in a movie theater, and he like doesn't realize that he's changed. So, like, his girlfriend runs away from him, and he's like, what's the matter, babe? I thought you wanted to see aliens. Also, he's holding a Carlsberg. Yeah, but that's, I'm just saying, that, you know, al- like, they're in the movie theaters, they want to see the movie Aliens. No, I know. I, she's I just freaked don't... out because she's seen aliens because he's now got the body of one. Ah, uh, okay. So, like, like see, go see aliens, I've already seen them with your gross face. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> I just I didn't get if the like the human body he was taking was somebody I should know or if it just yeah, seems it's, like it's two guys like swap places. It it is a little weird because like the human body that changes like this like punk dude with like a mohawk and stuff. That seems like it could be somebody, but I don't think that's the case. But I don't no, know. It's not like a Max Headroom thing. No. But speaking of weird messed up uh, virtual futures like Max Headroom Fox. Boom. I helped. <laughs> Through. You, you've done a bunch, actually. I, I, I appreciate your, your assistance this episode for sure, buddy. You know, high five. I love uh, you. Yeah. Thrill five. Goddamn. Thrill seven, sooner or later. So, script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Brent McCarthy as McCormick and McCarthy sometimes. Letter robot Tom Frame. Mickey, Swifty Swift Fox, is running for office in the far future of Ether City, and the votes are in. The Scarab Illuminati got 86 million votes, and Swifty got zero. But the way it works in the future is that if the guy who gets the least vote wins, so Swifty's got the job because nobody wanted him to have it. That's just great. They found out voters were stupid in the future, I guess, and decided to do it on the flip-flop. I mean, fair enough. I guess. I don't know. That um, seems kind of fucked up. I like 
Anyway, politics, man, politics. Um, so Swifty takes his place at the boardroom of International Waste. The door is marked Do Not Disturb, and the whole place is run on Morse code coming from the boardroom's intercom system because the doors are, to the boardroom have been locked for hundreds and of years. Like, and they're trying to like figure out what the fuck it means and then turn it into policy that then gets enacted. Yeah, it's a very elaborate and Byzantine system. Swifty asks for the key to the boardroom to check it out for himself. And I love it because everybody's like, the, the key? Oh, yeah, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cheers. Like, you know, have a good time. I, I thought that was pretty funny, actually. Yeah, it was good. I, I mean, I think the next one's pretty funny. I'm like, well, that's fucked up. Yeah, Swifty heads into the boardroom and finds that everyone in it is long dead. A bunch of skeletons sitting in fancy business chairs, the wind from the air conditioning moving their bones a bit, causing them to tap the intercom. The cap's the only thing standing between society and chaos. And Swifty's like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess there's a metaphor in here. And a mysterious <laughs> voice tells him not to worry about it. <laughs> Which, uh, and again, well, we'll get to this at the end, I guess. But I will say some good, like, I, I do like the writing as uh, Swifty walks in and Milligan sort of describes the scene. It's yeah. Pretty, it's, 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 it's very haunting, which, 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 which is pretty cool. Fucking finally, some story. Yeah. The voice is from a fly that's been trapped in the boardroom the last few centuries and has managed to learn English and the secret of the universe at the same time. And keeps wanting to really tell everybody the secret of the universe. Swifty is not interested, which I think is also pretty funny, actually. Um, he goes to leave, and the, the fly tells him to kick a nearby door. The door wakes up and talks to them. It's the door of plenty. Okay. Take them wherever you want to go. So Swifty and the fly head through it to escape the boardroom at last. Which, but why would you want to escape the boardroom where literally you could just tell them what... Uh... Whatever you wanted. I don't think Swifty really cares about this future, though, you know? That's true. I mean, I'm next, just saying. Yeah. Next time on Sooner or Later, the Bonfire Night. And that's Night with a K. Ooh. Hey, right, man. It's yeah, fine. We're yeah, we're getting towards the end of Sooner or Later here. Sort of, you know, finishing things up should be good. Pretty stoked about the, uh, the or I don't know. I've, I've had a good time with it, definitely. I really yeah. like the art. And, you know, like I'm sort of... I, I I know you've been harsh on sort of the uh, on the political statements and stuff like that, but you know I just I sort of they're fine mostly. Like it's it's pretty neutral for the most part. What's yeah, I mean so. mostly we're just poking fun at it, but it's poking fun at itself and everything. Yeah, you know, so. give it as good as it gets. Yeah, and with that, Fox, we finished 2000 AD for October and early November 1986. Box 491 to 494. Good lord. With that said, I have one question for you, my friend, which is, what are your top and bottom thrills? Of course I'll marry, uh, I mean, uh, my top and bottom thrills. <laughs> uh, I I mean, bottom is super easy, I already stated it. Ace trucking, very bottom, enough said. I'm just really mm. tired of it, it makes me want to sleep. Um, <laughs> uh, and like, I read every little letter, I, I read it all, and I don't find it enjoyable anymore. It's really, <laughs> and I don't want to hate it. I will go go that far on record. Um, in, in terms of Top Man, while Strontium Dog was fucking fantastic, uh, mm. I just think Dread beat it beat for beat uh, this, this nice. month. Um, I really enjoyed every single one of the small stories. Like, The Peeper was super hilarious. I really like the body snatching thing. Of course, I love a giant 50-foot-tall sexy lady. <laughs> um, and the Phantom of the Opera is just... I mean, they're all just really goofy. They're all just out there and, like, having fun. It's more wacky on, on the Mega City side versus kind of the more dour ones that we've been having for the past couple months. Yeah. So, you know, I, I enjoyed it a lot, and it was fun. And, yeah, I think that was that's about it. Awesome. That so that's a good see there there it is right like somebody trying to be funny and someone who's just naturally funny mm. learn that's from your point. peers yeah fair so yeah so Conrad mm. I have not asked you yet but I will ask you now allow me to do so please stop stopping me from asking you what were your top and bottom thrills okay uh, please start asking me that question no I, I got it um, anyhow. <laughs> I'll agree with you. I'll put Ace on the bottom for sure. Like, don't really, you know, just ready ready for it to, to finish up. Um, I'll say, like, I kind of want to just, uh, like, put the Pat Mills Power Hour in, in, in the top of, like, Metal <laughs> and uh, Slain. I think, like... No one says you can't. 
the art and the start of the quest in Slain is really good. I think the end of Metal Zoic's real like, whoa, like this is just a crazy thing that's mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in the end, I'm going to end up uh, counterbalancing you and saying that Stranium Dog was my top. Holy shit, uh, it's the first time they've ever been non-solid since, like, a few progs. I mean, listen, like, we've been, like, Stranium Dog's been in the bottom and Rage has been in the top for a while. So I feel like, you know, we can, it's so we can true. have some other things. Because this Stranium Dog's real fun, man. I just like this sort of... Um, real like western like you know standard western storylines kind of thing um it feels good and it feels like it fits strontium dog really yeah definitely i feel like it's a real um it's a real fit and i really like yeah i I just love the storyline i really like like you know the relationship with him and and ma froggett and scroggy and stuff i mean again it's it's basically shane with that just makes it so fun and uh, you know just taking like i i could see any number of westerns just be put in you know make it be about johnny alpha mutants in the future and I'm, god I'm, why I'm, wouldn't you I'm, I'm ready for it you know you I just mean, have so much material already just steal definitely. it yeah and i'll say that i really like dread this month too like i re- you know this was a bunch of one-offs that, that were really fun it did a lot to sort of do stuff for dread's world and just have like yeah a combination of funny bits and sad bits and just being really great as well awesome yeah all right yeah great stuff good month yeah, uh, I didn't yeah, hate it. I, no, definitely not hated. Not hated. And, and I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner 2K. Everything else with Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. And then come back next time as. Johnny Alpha heads to a war zone. Slain fights the Zodiac. Dread runs afoul of an evil god named Jose, or maybe <laughs> Steve. And Rogue Trooper returns for a whole new mission. We're on the road to Prague 500, and we're nearly there. Exciting. Yeah, and until then, I'm Conrad E. Spock, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid Vertrig! That we can